Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Go Low Podcast, U.S. Open Edition, LACC. Can't wait. Let's buckle up and dive right into it. We will give some thoughts on this course. I was lucky enough to grace its presence a couple years ago and play. Uh, struggled to break 90. It's really, really difficult. Breaking news. And that was not even U.S. Open conditions. I'll talk about some of the favorites, some of the main names coming into this. We will go down the betting card as well. Sobel will join us, and uh, we'll just we'll just rock and roll. I, I don't think I'm going to do a mailbag on this show. Obviously, at GoLowPod is the Instagram. You can fire in those DMs. We'll probably save that for next week. But uh, this is a pretty big addition. I'm fired up. I watched some press conferences today. I watched a lot of live from the U.S. Open. It's exciting. It, it doesn't get much better. If you're watching this on YouTube... You see me wearing a Go Low uh, polo. If you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you've seen me tweeting out some links, tweeting out some visuals of me wearing this stuff. Go to the Volumes website, thevolume.com, search the merch, and if you buy a Go Low polo, it's Adidas, fits fantastic, you get half off a trucker hat, a Go Low trucker hat, a mesh snapback, I think as the kids call it when you use the promo code OPEN23. So we got a deal going for the U.S. Open. Polo, hat, half-off hat, promo code OPEN23. Go check it out. Polo fits fantastic. Love my guys at Adidas. Stay hot, guys. Before we dive into the course and to the tournament, you got to download the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app. And when you do promo code GOLO, $20 off any pair of tickets. Baseball games, basketball games, football games, obviously the fall, SEC, NFL, you name it as well as comedy shows and concerts. You want to go see one of the big concerts this uh, this summer? Go get outside, enjoy some, some brewskis, watch your favorite musician, download the Game Time app, promo code GOLO, $20 off a pair of tickets. Okay, before we get into my guy Kepka and Scotty Scheffler, I was lucky enough a couple years ago, I have some family friends. Larry Raber and his son, Scotty. Scotty's a good buddy of mine. He's an absolute stick. I could take him anywhere, and he can shoot par or better. He's one of the easily the best golfers I know, and his game travels. His dad, uh, absolute golf addict. Worked in the banking business for a long time. Worked at Wells Fargo. And so he knows a lot of people in banking all over America. A lot of those people in banking play golf. And th- they asked me, they're like, hey, I think we can get us on... Los Angeles Country Club, do you want to play on Saturday and go to the Niner game on Sunday? I was like, how about this? I'll get the Niners-Rams tickets, and that was the crazy overtime game where the Niners had to win to get into the playoffs. They ended up winning on a last-second pick. Uh, again, crazy-ass comeback by Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan. 
and we played LA Country Club the day before. We actually played golf on Friday as well. It was an incredible weekend. <laughs> it was one of the great 24-hour stretches of my life. I was brutally hungover by the time the Niner game came around, but I got to play LACC. And I, honestly, I had never really heard about it before it got named to this to be a U.S. Open venue course. And even then, I wasn't super locked in. So when I got to play it, I didn't know much about it. I never forget getting on the property going, this place is fucking amazing. Some of the backdrops, the views of L.A. And listen, I'm someone that's born and raised in Northern California. I grew up hating L.A. But I hated L.A. because I hated the Dodgers, and I definitely hate the Lakers. Well, you get a little older, you get a little more money, you go down to Hollywood, you go down to Malibu, you go down to Newport, you're like... This place is sweet. It's dramatically nicer than the Bay Area. It's not even close, right? You're paying the California taxes either way. You might as well have the ocean and the ladies. And it's the course is just immaculate. And when I played, one thing, it's like you get down there, like how many actors are members? How many famous people are members? It's just the natural you know, thing you ask whoever is you know, hosting you and the members. And they kind of word gets out, well, this isn't that type course. This is the people that run Hollywood. This is the people that run the finances. We don't have actors at this course. That's for Bel Air and Riviera. This course is just people you haven't heard of that have a lot of money. I mean, I'm probably the poorest guy that's ever played the golf course. Couple, I mean, hole four, Lionel Richie has a house. I I played a lot of golf in my life. I've been lucky enough to play all over Monterey, uh, played different places in the Bay Area that are super nice. It's probably the biggest house on a golf course I've ever seen. It's a monstrosity. Rumors have it that Goldman Sachs rented it out this week for like eight to ten million dollars to host parties. I, I'm not I'm not overstating how insanely big it is when you look at it. It's on this cool par three. The Playboy Mansion is on hole 14. The Spelling family, who were heavy hitters in Hollywood have a home that looks like a vacation resort, like if it could host thousands of people. So the homes on this place, you can't see from the road. It's just, it's an unreal place. Obviously, as someone that grew up pre-internet, the Playboy Mansion, you get by it, you can hear the monkeys and the animals. Hugh's gone now and it's sold. But just the buzz around the course of the famous people that own places is pretty cool. And then the course itself it's just not like anything I've played in California. And I've played Olympic Club. I've played Monterey Peninsula. I've never played Pebble, but then been there a million times. Played a bunch of golf in, uh, in Monterey. Played a lot of golf. The Cow Club in the Bay Area. Th- this course is very, very unique. It's very, very difficult as well. And there are, obviously there are two really long par threes, hole seven and 11. Seven is just a straightaway shot. You know, a lot of these guys are going to hit three and five wood. It's not that crazy hard for that level of player. Hell, I bogeyed it. I I was close to the green, just couldn't get up and down. Hole 11, the 290-yard par three, sounds a lot crazier than it is in terms of yardage. It's downhill. It probably plays closer even from the back-back tips, 250. The problem is the slope of the green. If you miss, I did. You are dead. I think I picked up on that hole because I hit it into the sand. I couldn't get out of the sand. Then I thinned it over the green and then I hit it back over. It is very, very difficult. That is a hole. If you fuck up your tee shot has double or triple bogey written all over it. Then obviously there's a very famous, it's, it's a drivable par four, but I don't think anyone is going to drive the green because you have to fly it over trees. You can't see the green. 
Well, you can lay up to like a 50-yard shot, but I swear to God, and I hit an incredible shot. I hit a hybrid. I had 50 yards in. But when they say the word hard pan, and I always say it, like, oh, it's hard pan. Well, it's one thing to just say it out loud, and then it's another thing to play it. I swear to God, my ball, 50-yard shot, lob wedge in my hand, it felt like I was hitting it off concrete. Another hole where I thinned it 70 yards over the green because the shot is very, very difficult. And if anyone's been following these guys on social media, they're all messing with that hole because it is very, very tricky. Not just the angle you have to attack because the bunker ring around the green is crazy, and that takes you know shape for a lot of these holes, but the, the hard pan you're hitting it off is very, very... You have to hit it perfectly. And if you don't, that's another hole where it'd be pretty easy to leave it short in a bunker, thin it over. You're going to see some crazy swings. There are birdieable holes. My one lone birdie was on a 100-yard par 3. And watching live from... They said one of the days they might play it at 80 yards. I think when I played it, it was playing like 110 yards. And at the time, like this is one of those unique courses. There's not like three sets of tees. There's not like a good player, you know, a men's and the women's. It's just like there was one set of tees. So you just kind of play in the tip. So it, the course is really, really long. A lot of weird undulation. A lot of weird places you can't miss. There are birdies out there. If you're playing well, it's not like a diabolical course every single hole, uh, but it is, it's a unique track, and I think it's going to show remarkably well on television. There's nothing like West Coast golf in the majors where you get that five, six o'clock, you know, if you're on the east, you know, eastern seaboard, you're watching golf under the, you know, not under the lights, under the sun, right, as the sun setting at like 8, 8.30. I remember Pebble when Gary Woodland won. It's just an awesome, awesome thing. It really pops on TV. Unlike, you know, Pebble, there's no ocean. There aren't ocean views. But I, I think this thing's going to show really well. Now, a lot of people that are on the grounds, having been there, it's not really consumer-friendly. You know, I, I think one people, one question I've heard people that are there have is, you know, it's, it's probably not going to be insane galleries. This is not going to look like Canadian Open, partly because this place is so exclusive. They're probably not selling that many tickets. And two, they just don't have the space. So that's going to be a fascinating element. It's not going to be empty, but it is not going to be just batshit crazy people everywhere. There, there's not going to be 100,000 people on property every single day. So it's, I'm very excited to watch this thing play out. And today I was at the gym and I turned on Golf Channel because I'm it's doing a little, you know, uh, incline, about 11, hold on to the bars, get a good hour walk, try to get a sweat. And Kepka comes on. So I take out my, my headphones and I turn it up and I watch this press conference. And my takeaway about halfway through is, holy moly, this guy's in a good headspace. Sometimes when Kepka, I would say historically when he has these press conferences, he can kind of come off as like arrogant and angry. It's like, Brooks, just lighten up a little bit. I saw a guy today that was, honestly, he had this Tom Brady, Michael Jordan-like vibe. It was very confident, but also very, he's like in a very good mental headspace. My number one takeaway after watching him talk was like, I don't know how this guy doesn't win if, he, if his game's there, right? And his game typically is there with the majors. And he said something fascinating because he's never played here. He just showed up the other day. He doesn't even play 18 holes on a given practice round. He plays nine and nine. And they say, how do you prepare for these courses when you don't know them? He's like, well, it's not really that complicated. I play the hole backwards. He's like, every single hole I play during a practice round, I get to the center of the green 
and I look back at the tee box. So I, I can view it from, like, I, I play the hole backwards. So I know where to miss, how to attack, and I kind of envision if they put the pin here, where I would want to be with the approach shot, if they put the pin here. It's like, that. that's a pretty basic way to attack a course, but very, very functional. It's like when Belichick goes, well, how do you win football games? Like, I try to take our strengths against their weaknesses, and I try to take uh, their strengths and avoid our weaknesses against them. You know, it's like, well, yeah, it's a pretty easy way to put it. And when you listen to Brooks, Brooks is not as sexy as when Jordan Spieth's humming, right? He's not as sexy as when Rory McIlroy's making shit happen or Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods in their prime. The dude is a killer, though, and you can see it on his face. You could see his mentality, how happy he is. He is also, and here's what I appreciate about him, for a guy that took $100 plus million for live, he never claims them. He made a joke at the end of his at the end of the press conference. I will see you guys at the Travelers next week. It felt like a joke, but who knows? Maybe he's coming back. And he has been the guy I think that has just kind of uh, sat on the fence the best about like I'm not all in with you guys. I'll take the money. I'll be there. But after he won the PJ Championship, that first round at Live, he was on the phone walking down the fairway. I don't think he gives a bleep about Greg Norman or Lip. He took their money. It allows him to stay laser-focused and you know fresh for these majors. But if Liv disbands tomorrow and he has to play you know, the Waste Management and Travelers and the Memorial and Riv, I don't think he would care at all. And he kind of had that vibe, like, I'm in a great place. He said, I plan on winning 10 majors. That might be difficult, but he's 33 years old. He's already got five. I don't think eight, eight is out of the question. And... I understand Scotty Scheffler is putting on one of the great performances in the history of the game ball striking wise. You know, depending on, I've heard some say he has the greatest ball striking year since VJ in 03. Someone else says Tiger since 04. He is putting on a clinic tee to green. And his short game is also elite. Like a lot of people, including myself, I'm going to dabble on Cam Smith, are going to pick Cam Smith because his short game and his putting. Well, Scotty Scheffler's short game is unreal. Remember when he beat Cam Smith at the Masters? Why did he do that? Oh, he's chipping in. Now, the knock on him is his putting, and his putting's been really, really bad. But, like, all he has to do is be average. If Scotty Scheffler is average, he should win this week. Because this is a week where you got a lot of long irons, you got a lot of woods into par threes. That's what this guy does best. So, to me, Kepka and the odds don't reflect it. Kepka has the only reason his odds are not Scotty Scheffler's odds because he plays on live and no one sees him play beside basically four times a year, right? No one watches him. No one has the data. We don't know. And even if he wins on live, we don't even know what that means, right? If he had been doing even just playing like he normally does, not that like engaged on the PGA tour, I think he'd easily be six, seven to one going into this. He literally was in the last group of the masters and said immediately after, that will never happen to me again, came back to the PGA and dominated. I mean, he had a disaster relative to his standard at the Masters, finished third. Kepka's standards are the closest thing since Tigers. Like, let's face it, Rory McIlroy, I'm not going to bet on this weekend. I watched him last week. Like, he just kind of crumbles when it matters. He can't put four rounds together. Rory McIlroy's standards, like, Week in, week out on the PGA Tour, making a ton of money, top 10s in majors, winning regular PGA Tour events is very, very impressive. He's going to go down as the one of the all-time great players. I don't have faith in him winning this major. N- not at all. 
You know, I, I, I just don't. Just like the Xanders and the Tony Fina, I was like, I'm not touching those guys. But when it comes to Kepka, when it comes to Scotty, I know Rom hasn't been playing as well the second half of this year. I would never discount him. Like I said earlier, I got money on Homa. I don't feel great about it. Like, I wouldn't put my money on him right now, but since it's already, I bet it three months ago, I'm going to let it ride. Hopefully he plays well. He's comfortable here. You know, I don't, I don't know the connection with the L.A. guy if we put too much into that. The Morikawas, the Homas, the Galas, a Southern California guy. Patrick Cantlay had the course record before Homa broke it. So I think there's going to be a lot of interest kind of in that crew. I know the problem with Morikawa is he has a bad back. But this, to me, is not like a flyer situation this week. This is the horses are getting it done. And I, I think, listen, if I had to put my life savings, if I at least could get two guys, it would be on Scotty and, and Kepka. I'm not saying it's golf. It's hard, you know, to get outright winners. But it feels like one of those two guys, at minimum, is, I don't know, in the second to last group, at worst, on Sunday. And it wouldn't shock me if they're one of those two guys in the last group and the other guys in the second or third to last group. I think they are clearly the best two players coming into this. Kepka is just a major machine. Scotty is playing the best beside the putting. But that's to me, that can be a little streaky. And I also think there are a lot of interesting names. You know, this is a course that is going to require short grant, short game uh, some magic. It's why I think a lot of people are kind of in on Jordan Spieth. I'm not. You know, he hurt his wrist a month ago. Still makes me nervous. One guy from just a value standpoint, if you're looking at it like the stock market, buy low, sell high. And this guy has not had a good year. But he has a... And one thing Sobel often says, because it's like, you know, should I take a flyer on Sahith Thagala? to win. Well, he's never won a PGA champ a PGA tournament. Same thing with like Cam Young. Not necessarily this week he's playing bad, but just in general. You keep betting on Cam Young, but he has not won yet. So he doesn't technically have win equity. Justin Thomas has won double digit times on the PGA Tour. He's won multiple majors. I understand he's having a rough year, but he's 40 to 1. His odds are the exact same as Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler has five career wins. Justin Thomas probably has five career wins in the last 24 months. So that's one guy that the, 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 the form would not lead you to bet on him. But just based on the value, that to me is easily the best value on the board. Because I will not be betting Tony Finau. I will not be betting Xander Schauffele. Cantlay, I, I just refuse to bet him. But I, I would take Cantlay over the other two guys. Jordan Spieth I'm not touching. Cam Smith would be the one guy that he's Sobel's pick. He's a lot of people's pick. It is a little harder to gauge how he looks week in, week out, because we don't get to see him play. But he came on in the PGA Championship, shot 65 on Sunday, played pretty well at the Masters. He's a guy that, when it's all said and done, could easily win another major. I think this course, a lot of people think it has parallels to Augusta in in the fact that you don't have to be straight off the tee, but you got to be very, very good around the greens. A lot of undulation, a lot of crazy chips, a lot of just, a lot of touch, a lot of touch required. Trust me, I don't have it, and this course kicked my ass. So to me, Justin Thomas is a guy at 39, 40 to 1. Very, very intriguing to win it as kind of a quote unquote flyer. And then Cam Smith. Some guys, top 10. Fleetwood is playing fantastically. So, so is Terrell Hatton. Those are two Ryder Cup guys that I would hammer for a top 10. To me, Ricky Fowler, who has a similar number to JT, I can't bet him to win the tournament outright, 
But I think he's another guy you feel pretty confident about hammering top 10. I think if you did a Hatton, Fleetwood, Ricky, those three guys to finish top 10, I, I think there's a decent chance you'd hit two out of three of them. I, I really do. I know Sobel mentioned Si Wu. He's a guy that's been playing really well. He's made $5 million this year. A couple you know, kind of names further down the board. Keegan Bradley is a guy. To me, he's a long shot guy. Finished second or third in this event last year in Boston. He, he's a tough golf course player. He's playing pretty well uh, at 85-1 to 1 because when you look at him and Thagala, Thagala, the win equity, I'm tempted to just dabble on Thagala at 75-80-1, but Keegan has more win equity than he does. And Keegan, to me, has a better chance at an environment like this from having, you know, like a Friday-Saturday going 67-68 and being one back or one in the lead or just right there in the mix. So... I really love Hatton and Fleetwood. At minimum, one of those two guys to top ten. I'd be I'm gonna bet both of them to top ten. And probably Ricky as well. I would say Keegan Bradley. Justin Rose at 40 to 1 is a pretty interesting name. Tough golf course player. He's playing well. But I was watching the Canadian Open. He's second to last group on Sunday. And, you know, relative to his standards, kind of shits the bed. Because that that was a tournament that was there to be had, and he just makes me a little nervous about getting the job done, but and when the dust settles, is he a two-major guy or does he fit right in as a one-major guy? So I would say the, the the two Englishmen, Hatton, Fleetwood, Big Dick Rick, Fagala Flyer, I probably like him more top 20. Keegan Bradley would be my long shot guy, but I bet Keegan Bradley a lot, long shot guy, especially in these big tournaments. And then JT, to me, he's just a value play. I know based on the, the numbers, his finishes, you wouldn't feel great. But if I would have told you a year ago, a year ago at this 2022, June 13th, you could get Justin Thomas. He'd be playing in a major. It's not like he's missing a leg or an arm. 40 to one. You'd be like, with bones? Did something happen? Tiger Woods beat him up? No. So I, 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 when the, I'm going to put some cash on him for sure. It's just too good a value. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, Sobel. Uh, how are the Hollywood Hills? This place is unbelievable. I know you've been here before. I had never been here. The way it was described to me before getting here was as if they took Central Park in New York City and put a world championship golf venue in the middle of it. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then I got here and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, we are not, I think people will hear, oh, they're in LA, so it's SoCal, but you know, it's big place and you know, they have 
some places where you could see a, a golf course, but this is in the middle of the city. I mean, we are like in the foothills of Beverly Hills, Hollywood down the street. I mean, there is stuff going on when you, this is not like out in the burb somewhere. We are like right in the middle of it and the golf course, man, it is pure. You and I were talking before we hit the record button, but uh, it is rustic. It is fun looking. A lot of times you get to a major championship and you're like, yeah, it looks pristine, but it also looks a little artificial. This place, it looks like it's been here since the beginning of time. Like when Earth started, there was a golf course right on this property. It's an unbelievable piece of property. And uh, I can't wait for this thing to get started. I think it's going to be a really, really fun week. Tell me if you like this comp. It's probably the, it's, you know, this course is much more famous, but. It's the West Coast version a little bit of Augusta. You know, you feel honored being on the property. Easier to get on and play, but has the California. It's a little looser. Our rules on the West Coast, we're not as we're not as tight. We don't have the old school Southern, no phones, shirt tucked. It's a, it's a little looser, but you feel on the on the course and on the property. Like, yeah, this is not, not everyone gets to come here. Now, the difference is, you know, I, I think it was pretty shocking. I mean, they've had NCAA events. They've had the Walker Cup. But it's they don't have many professional events, and you're out there right now. It's not exactly fan friendly like some properties in terms of all the crevices of the course, right? Right. No, it's hard to walk around here. I mean, if you're an older person, you got an injury, you're trying to walk around. You're not going to have a fun time trying to follow your favorite group of this golf course. I don't know that I, I don't know that I'm making the Augusta comparisons. Maybe just. Just the clubhouse and like the back patio with the table set up there has an Augusta. That's what I'm saying. It, it kind of comes out of nowhere. You just you don't know what's there. I'm, I'm not saying the course comp, you the hills and stuff. But. Yeah, I mean course comp. I I still and even the feel of it. I'll give you West Coast Shinnecock, which someone else mentioned to me earlier today, and I'm like, yeah, that it, it's definitely got a lot of shinny feel to it. Uh, just being in LA. What uh? What's your vibes from walking around there, talking to players, talking to caddies, talking to coaches? Uh, what, what's what's the feel out there? It's you know, it feels like the merger is well behind us, and people focused on the golf at hand. Or is that still a topic? Merger might be strong, but whatever the hell that thing was last week, whatever it was, <laughs> no, people are still definitely talking about it. Uh, it's cooled off a little bit for a major championship because uh, look, it's it's a major. Guys are out here trying to win a U.S. Open. There are only four of these a year, and so uh, while they'll be asked about it in the, I, I think in the pre-tournament interviews the players are doing, I think there's a lot of talk about what's going on and what the future of golf might look like. But I think once we get to Thursday, it's all about this golf course, and so. Uh, I, I think players kind of understand like, hey, you can uh, you can miss it a little bit here and still be OK. A lot of it's going to come down to luck, quite frankly. And what the, what the USGA has done this week is essentially they're going to move T-Box around. I think social media is getting uh, it's gone viral. The 290 yard par three 11th hole and everyone's like, oh, my God. It might play 210 one day. It might play 250. Uh, they're going to move around tee boxes. They are going to essentially, and, and this is something they try to do every year at the U.S. Open, but I think they're going to do an even better job of it this year. They want players to, uh, to have to think about exactly what they're going to do on every single shot. You know, Jordan Spieth and Michael Greller, on every single shot, they're, they're thinking about like, well, you want to do this? Well, I'm trying to do that. Well, and they're talking their way through a shot, that's going to be all 156 players this week. Every single guy is going to be trying to figure out when they get to their ball. They don't want a player 
just grabbing a nine iron saying, ah, I'm just going to hit nine here because it's standard stock shot. I don't think there is a standard stock shot here. You're going to have to work the ball. Because of that, the players that I'm looking at are the creative players, the most artistic players. I think those are the guys who are going to thrive this week. And we can make our own lists of creative, artistic players. I did on my radio show yesterday on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. Gary Williams was filling in. He was my co-host. We had in our top five creative players, we had four of the five same names. So it's not really a mystery as to who those players are, if indeed this golf course plays to those most creative players. So who's your pick? Cam Smith. I've got, instead of a one and a two, I've got a one A and a one B this week. Cameron Smith's my one A. First of all, I love the number. He's 28 to one, 30 to one in some books. I think that other than Brooks Kepka, who of course won the PGA Championship last month, most of the live players are still a little undervalued in the marketplace. Cameron Smith at 28 to one, I think is a really good number. Obviously, he can win a major championship. We saw it at the Open last year. His short game's fantastic. And for my money, he's the best putter in the world and probably the best uh, clutch putter, the best putter when you're playing in a major championship. I watched him at Oak Hill a couple of rounds, and he was not just pouring in putts. He was like putting it in the middle of the cup. I mean, things going in a thimble. And then 1B for me is the other most artistic, most creative player that we have in the game right now. No surprise, Jordan Spieth. And we've seen Jordan trending in the right direction for a while now. I don't think that his lack of distance, even though he's he's really not short, he has a reputation of like, yeah, well, he's he's, he's not DJ, he's not Rory. He, he's a lot longer. He was he actually averaged uh, better driving distance last year than Tony Finau. I, I mean, that's saying a lot for Jordan Spieth. So the fact that he's going to turn, uh, and you'll see it this week, he's going to turn double bogeys into pars, where you're looking at it like, he can't get out of this. What? That's jail right there. And all of a sudden, he'll somehow get up and down. Uh, that's what's going to win you this golf tournament, keeping the momentum going, keeping the bogeys off the, off the card. And I think those two guys are my favorites to do that. I would say the heavy favorite, Scotty Scheffler, depending on where you look, you can find him like, you know, six, seven to one is a very artistic player when he went, you know, toe to toe with Cam two years ago and won the Masters and chipped it in was that whole three. But uh, his putting has been atrocious because he's been the best tee to green player. And, and really a short game is it might not be Cam Smith, Jordan Spieth in their peak, but it's it's light years better than most guys on tour out there is the question mark just his putting I, i'm sure he's not that he has played here before i think you you wrote that or someone no, tweeted that. walker cup yeah yeah so he, he's seen these greens clearly it's a lot different for a u.s open how nervous i mean at that number it seems pretty crazy but he's in every fucking tournament he plays in uh, look i've got him number three on my list and i feel like i'm being too negative about Scotty Scheffler. That's how good he is. Tee to green right now. But yeah, the putter scares me. Look, if you're going to win a U.S. Open at some point, you've got to hold a bunch of 8, 10, 12-foot putts. And I'm just not very confident that Scotty Scheffler is confident in himself to go do that. So I, I just don't know that Scotty Scheffler uh, can get that done on the greens. But yeah, tee to green, he's better than anybody right now. Uh, that performance of the Memorial tee to green was unbelievable. Same thing really at Colonial the week before. So hitting it really well right now. I just, if I'm spending my money this week on the board, I'm not taking a guy who's seven to one that, that's having trouble uh, with the flat stick right now. And at this kind of event. To me, you look Kepka, you know, 10, 11 to one. 
if he was on the PGA tour and just playing with these other guys, it feels like he would be eight to one. You know, you get a Probably. couple, you know, like you said, a lot of these live guys gets dinged, but the difference is this guy has proven this year. I mean, he had a disaster at the masters and he's in the last group disaster for him. He said today that, you know, and I, I don't think it's hyperbole. I do think he believes it. And how could he not that he, he thinks 10 majors for himself is in play, you know, at 33 years old seems extreme. But unlike the guys you listed, Cam, Spieth, and even Scotty, he's bo- more boring as a player. The, w- the way he wins, it's not as crazy because he's not screwing up and having to make miraculous shots. But I have a hard time. I- I'm not going to bet him, but I, if, if you tell me, like I-, I expect him to be in the mix, so may- maybe I should. May- I haven't decided yet. I'm out up for sure, but... Being out there, do you think he's vaulted himself back into the the previous 17, 18, the guy that we talked about in 19 and 20 is like every major, the way people talk about him? So a few things here. First of all, Golf Channel did a segment, I believe it was last night, where they talked about the big three, which was Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and not Rory McIlroy, but instead uh, Brooks Kepka, whom he's playing with for the first two rounds. I thought that was very, very interesting, very telling for this week. Secondly, look, we can sit here for a week before every major championship and go, well, it should play to these kind of players. And, you know, it, it, the, the metric I'm looking at is this one. And, you know, who's a pretty good long shot. It's this guy. And, and honestly, we could do these pods in 10 seconds. And the entire analysis might be, well, Kepka's playing and he's ridiculous at major championships. So he's going to win. Boom. End of story. Game over. That, that might be all the analysis we need. It's like take all the money that you're putting on uh, a couple of other outrights and a couple of long shots and some prop plays and a first-round leader and everything you're doing and just take it all and put it on Kepka and Kepka might win and you have a good chance of uh, getting 11 times your money back on that bet. So, I, again, I, I certainly I don't want to fade him. Um, it's a tough number to play, you know, especially not having seen him play this golf course before. But would it surprise me if Brooks Kepka is – the winner comes Sunday, not even in the least. One long shot, you know, just seeing a guy close to 90 to one. Now, he's never won a tournament on the PGA Tour, but is the gala short game. I, I saw you, Patrick Reed, which actually has a much longer resume of winning big. But both those guys in the 80 to 90 did a really good around the green. The gala is a Southern California guy. Uh, you know, those two names, long shot and anyone else kind of even to me, a long shot in a major can start around 50 to one. So when it comes to long shots, if we're talking outrights, what I always like to point out is that there are long shots who can, they can be a nice top 10, top 20 play at a nice plus money number. But when it comes to a long shot outright, I want someone with win equity. Remember if you come in second or you come in 156, you're outright ticket is not going to cash. And so Trust me, I want I someone with a high ceiling. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you, dude. Hey, look, I, I've only bet Grillo, Hovland, and uh, Taylor <laughs> in the last three weeks. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing just fine. Don't worry about it. But um, that said, some of the guys with bigger numbers next to their names that have that win equity that we've seen them do it before, Patrick Reed at 80 to 1, I think is a great number out there. He has a certain, he, you know, he is a great player around the greens, and I think that's what's going to take this week. And I look at Siwoo Kim. Siwoo was a guy that, like, he'd show up every once in a while, win, and then we wouldn't see him for a year or two. And when we wouldn't see him, he'd play really badly. The floor was bottomless. All of a sudden, Siwoo, 18 of 21 made cuts this year, 
top seven in three of his last six. He's won in California. He's played well on linksy style golf courses, fast firm golf course. I, I think Si Wu is a really interesting play further down the board. Yeah, when was I betting on? Oh, Memorial? Was that when he was in the mix? I I, I Googled. He, I think he's made close to $5 million this year. Like, Siwoo's yeah. si si playing well. Yeah. Let's, you know, we're talking a lot of outrights. Some names I got for top 10. I, I mean, two Euros that have just played really well. They've played well lately. Hatton and Fleetwood. I mean, Fleetwood has success in majors. Hatton feels like he's trending. Uh, Ricky Fowler's another guy who's having a really good season. Any guys that you like in, in that top 10 range? Yeah, so I I really like Fleetwood. Again, I can't bet him at the outright number. He's 0 for 119 now on the PGA Tour after the playoff loss the last week. But uh, he's obviously a really good player. He, he's a shorter number than Justin Thomas in most books right now. I, I can't bring myself to do that. Justin Thomas, I think when he's playing well, and he hasn't played well this year, when he's playing well, he's a top five player in the world, maybe a top three player in the world. I, I can't bring myself... Uh, in good conscience to to play Tommy Fleetwood at a shorter number than Justin Thomas. That said, Hatton, look, I was on Hatton last week. He's been playing lights out for about really four or five months now. That said, I look at Hatton and I go, he's obviously a guy that, you know, what makes him entertaining is also uh, what makes him a guy that I sometimes don't like to back just because he's combustible. I mean, look, this is a golf course that's going to get you frustrated. Do you want to bet Tyrrell Hatton on a golf course where it might take one bad bounce on the second hole and, you know, he goes into a bad spot and makes bogey and all of a sudden it's like the world is ending on it for Hatton. So as much as I like his game, I, I just don't know that I want to back him at a, at a U.S. Open. Love Ricky Fowler this week. I probably have him too low in my ranking, but I do think he can post top 10. Another name that I have in top 10, Ryan Fox. On a a linksy golf course, hits a long way. Watch out for that name. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of. It's like the one guy that you know the name kind of just jumped off the page for me. He's got nine top thirties in his last ten starts. So even if you don't like the top ten play, I think you get him top thirty at a plus money number. He's a really good player. He's playing really well right now, and this should be his style of golf. Well, speaking of, you know, they teach you number one thing in finance: buy low, sell high. If I would have told you before this year, for the last five years, you could get Justin Thomas around 40 to one in a major, it'd just be an auto bet. I mean, is it you're out there? Is it injury? Because you would say, in theory, this would be a course, good short game, good around the green. He's a pretty, you know, uh, he just got a lot of different shots in the bag, but clearly he's had a terrible season for his standards. He feels off. It, I don't know, but you could argue just that number alone. If he does catch lightning in a bottle, you talked about Patrick Reed win equity, won a lot of big tournaments. If, if he is in the mix, he's not afraid of the moment. That that might just be an auto bet just based on the value. Again, if he's injured, then it's a stay away, but something's up. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't heard about an injury, uh, but if you get him at 45, 50 to 1, yeah, it's probably an auto play. It, quite frankly, I, it's just a big enough number that you look at and you go, uh, how bad would I feel? If Justin Thomas goes out and wins this golf tournament, and I was sitting there thinking about him at 50 to 1 and said, ah, no thanks. I'm going to pass because he's not playing well. You're going to be kicking yourself come Sunday evening if it does cash. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't empty the mortgage out on that one, but I do think that uh, JT is a decent play. Tony Finau is a guy that six months ago, if you had asked me about the U.S. Open, I just thought he fit the profile 
Look at the guys that have won the U.S. Open over the last six, seven, eight years. It's been Kepka, DJ, DeChambeau, Woodland, John Rahm. Even last year, Fitz looks like he's 12 years old, but he's, he's hitting it he far. gained a lot of distance. Yeah. He's hitting it far. He's got spring speed. Uh, those are the types of players that win U.S. Opens now. This is a different U.S. Open setup. I don't think it's going to take uh, a guy. It doesn't mean those guys can't win, but I don't think it has to be a guy like that. If it was, though, Tony Finau was going to be my guy. If we were going back to a uh, a Beth Page type setup, uh, I thought Tony Finau would have been the guy. I just don't see him on this setup, but I still like him a lot, and he's still a pretty big number, 35-40-1. Okay, uh, you know, a week ago we were reacting to the breaking news, that which we weren't even sure what it was, but it was two guys on CNBC that happened to be Jay Monahan and the dude that runs Live slash The Piff talking. A week later, now being out there for a couple days, texting all week long last week, what is, what's the vibe? Like, do, do people feel like they know anymore, or is it still a lot of the players that came out of that meeting going, Jay didn't really have that many answers? Still way more questions than answers. And I think, you know, I've had players from both sides, both PJ Tour and Liv, who are asking me what I know and what I think. And I'm like, I don't know. I was going to ask you the same thing. I don't think anyone knows right now. I mean, even the mixed signals we're getting from the people who made the deal. Jay Monahan has repeatedly said over the last week, hey, I don't know why we're calling this a merger. It's not a merger. And it was pointed out. Well, the press release that you sent out said PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and Public Investment Fund have merged commercial operations. I don't know. Our bad sounded like a merger to me. So I, I still think there's there's a lot to be answered. I still think there's a lot to be figured out. My guess is if Jay Monahan was sitting right here next to me and I was asking him some of these questions, I, I don't think he has the answers yet. I don't think anybody has a lot of the answers yet as far as some of the things that could stop this. Look. Uh, you know me. I I watch other people play golf for a living. I because yeah. that's Obviously all I'm qualified element, to do. Yeah. I, I mean, we get into antitrust lawsuits and uh and you know Department of Justice and subpoenas and Senate hearings. And I I don't know. I literally had dinner with a buddy of mine the other night who's an attorney, and I go, "So what's an antitrust lawsuit?" And he's like, "All right, let me break it down for you." And and so he started explaining some things. I'm I'm very quickly starting to you know uh, get my bearings here and understand what a lot of what this is about but all that said uh, we are nowhere close to finding a conclusion to what all this means i mean i've I've been asked many times over the past week so is live done like they're done next year it's like "Ah, man i don't know who do you talk to you know dustin johnson had a comment today saying yeah no i run off talk to live they're going forward they're starting to put together the 2024 schedule that none of that would surprise me that you know, the folks that are running live are putting together a schedule for next year. And the folks that own live are looking into pushing everything together and uh, not having a league next year that, and, and the two may not have spoken, even though they in theory work together. So I, they don't know the players don't know. And I certainly can only speculate. I don't have any answers about a whole lot of this right now. Well, if you're speculating, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that most of us assume even a week later with the the lack of information is like, it doesn't make that much sense to keep live around, somehow integrate the two. But then there have also been rumors like, you know, the PGA Tour is going to have either a fine system or way to make these guys their way back. Well, it's like you guys just went into the business with the people they're in business with. How can you possibly do this? The complications of this 
you know, clearly they had to break the news, right? Because they were worried about it getting out. Is that fair to say? Is that what you heard? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's <laughs> totally fair. I also think that the litigation, you and I have talked about this, the pending litigation, which was uh, going to go into a discovery phase when PGA Tour said, yeah, there's some stuff that we don't really want to get out. And then the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia says, you know what? Actually, we have a skeleton or two in the closet as well. We might not want that going public either. Who knows what that could be? But uh, they said, you know what? Let's start talking and start putting something together. And yes, that's why this was announced before it started going public, before there were any rumors and speculation about it. But unlike most deals where they a deal is made, a press release is sent out, and here's to the T everything yeah. that we know. This was like, send it out and we'll figure out everything later. And now they're trying to figure everything out sort of in real time. As we sit here from what you know, talking to players, talking to agents, talking to whoever, Jay Monahan's status in the in the player circle. Is, is it fair to say that it's not a lot of people are high on it? I'm talking about the PGA, the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it's that, that's very fair to say. As for his job, and I, you know, I've been asked a lot over the last week, is Jay going to keep his his role? And well, the players can't really vote him out, first of all. Secondly, Jay was already named by the board of the uh, to-be-determined named company that is going to have the PGA Tour, DEP World, and Public Investment Fund under their umbrella. Uh, he's already been named by the board as the CEO. So even if he's not, quote-unquote, PGA Tour commissioner, he is going to have a hand in this. Oh, by the way, if you want to know how you become named by the board, well, you start the board, and then you start the board with people who want you to do this job, and then those people vote for you, and that's how you get this job. I, a lot of weird stuff. I'm learning a whole lot about business <laughs> and about money, but um, uh, in case you were wondering, John, uh, money makes the world go round, and so yeah. uh, this is all about the Benjamins and uh, PJ Tour was... They, they were hurting. I don't know if they were quite hemorrhaging, as I've heard from some people, but they were hurting. They were putting up a lot of this money for the designated events. This was not coming out of the sponsors' pockets. They couldn't ask for that. So they were taking it out of the reserves, putting it up uh, for these events. And then uh, you don't have anything coming back in. Like, how are you going to replace that money? So they were hurting. If this is a chance to double, triple, quadruple the PGA Tour's valuation, look, there have been a lot of instances in the past where a business says, that's our rival, we'll never go into business with them. And then all of a sudden they go, well, unless we could all make a whole lot of money, that would be cool. And so uh, money talks. And it's talking once again right here. For sure. Well, Cam Smith, you'll just be the hottest gambler in the history of gambling if he wins it. But I, I'm going to have a couple, uh, couple shackles on Cam Smith for sure. You and I have been talking about him, I think, since the last major when he showed. It was like, God, this is going to be a good fit. And... So will the so will the open. I mean, he's 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 going to be a factor. It's why he was a big loss when when they signed him. Uh, I, I enjoy the week. Are you out there all week interviewing people for serious? All week. That's exactly what I'm doing. I've got. Let's see. This afternoon, I'm going to be talking to Scheffler, Cantley, and Homa, uh, three guys that we could very well see in the mix come Sunday afternoon. And then, yeah, I'll be. Uh, hanging out in what they call the flash area, the interview area, interviewing players as they finish Thursday through Sunday, doing all the interviews for the U.S. Open radio broadcast. Well, enjoy it. We'll, we will listen to you on Sirius when we're in the car driving to pick up our lunch to uh, not miss much of the golf tournament. So we, <laughs> we appreciate you. Ha- have a good time. And uh, tell Leo, tell Spielberg, 
you know, tell J-Lo and Aflac we all say hello. Lionel Richie's house is like right over uh-huh. here. It's not How small, big is that thing? by the way. Not small. I mean, it, I think it's like, so it's like I don't something. It, it's it's a ridiculous number of square feet. It was like 70,000 square feet, like something like the dumbest number I've ever heard square feet. I, like, and he's not there this week. He's like on tour. It's like the biggest thing that's ever happened in his backyard. I mean, can you imagine this is in your backyard? And you're like, oh, I, I gotta go over and do this thing in England. Sorry. When I played there and pointed it out, or maybe it was at the end of the round, we were having beers with the, the member. He he thought he guessed 75, 80 million dollars. And this was two year, two and a half years ago, the the, the price of yeah. the house. So, you know, Lionel probably got in early. I, you know, maybe a 10, 15 million dollar purchase. People called him crazy. I, I would say it's a pretty good investment, whatever he whatever he purchased that bad boy for. Dancing on the ceiling. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you put out Put an album like that, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're living yeah. in the backyard of like LACC. You're living like a king, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you, Sobel. Thanks, buddy. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.